Warning. This show may contain blunders, tangents, and inaccuracies. We try, but words are hard. Spoilers are inevitable. You've been warned. Lastly, the following is the opinion of two middle-aged media junkies. Try not to get butthurt if we say something you don't like. <clears throat> Viewer discretion is advised. How's it going, everybody? This is Sequel Centric. We take a look at follow-ups in the media to see how they stack up against their predecessor. I am Nate, and he is the Mortimer to my Randolph Duff. What's up, Nate? How are you this fine day? Excellent, excellent. Like lightning, we got a strike on this one, so I'm, I'm glad we're uh, putting kind of a rush... I wouldn't say rush job, but we're in the studio a little earlier than normal uh, for something like this. Actually, we're late. <laughs> Uh, another day, another movie. What are we talking about today? Oh, soon to be a new classic coming to America. Do I have your attention? I'm listening. With Eddie Murphy. It's been uh, 30 plus years for, what are the words I'm looking for? The, the arrival of this movie. The classic one is, I would say, one of the top three like 1980 eddie murphy movies well that trading places and beverly hills cop yeah and i was kind of leery when i heard something about it like four four or five years ago and sometimes you know when you got such a huge gap between movies sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't i mean like the gap between the two Mary Poppins movies, uh, the Blade Runner movies, even like Superman 2, the Donner Cut to Superman Returns in 2006, directed by Brian Singer. You never know how it's going to work out. Yeah, it's one of those things where anytime you leave this much of a gap in between releases, you're really yeah. risking people hating it, even if mm -hmm. it's a good movie. Yeah. This is true about sequels. If something is good, why well, ruin, ruin it? it. Well, and another Eddie Murphy, there was a, a, a gap, in my opinion, not too uh, too big of a gap, is uh, 48 hours. Like, there's an eight-year gap between 48 hours and another 48 hours. And I think, like, with that movie, he was doing time, so it does work for me. Yeah, that's just one of the risks you take. Some people like it, some people hate it. My buddy Brian on Facebook, uh, he's got a review here. It says, movie review of the week. Coming to America was the funniest non-comedy. Void of anything resembling humor of the year. Ouch. Yeah, I, I think Eddie Murphy knew the risk he was taking coming back to it. And I think maybe overall it was a good risk uh, for better or for worse. I think so. Your Highness, we have not come to that part yet. So in case you guys haven't seen Coming to America from 1988, it deals with an extremely pampered African prince and how he travels to Queens, New York and goes undercover to find a wife that he can respect for her intelligence and strong will. And 33 years later, Prince Akeem learns that he's got a long lost son in the United States, so... A bastard! Goes... A bastard son. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes back to America uh, to retrieve him, to bring him back so he has an heir to the throne, which his father is totally mandating. The thing that really makes it weird about that one is the fact that the prince himself had to break 
tradition to find his own wife in the first movie. So the fact that he has backtracked in the last 30 years as as now a king is is a little unbelievable. A semi-automatic shotgun wedding it will be! Agua! Well, we got two things going. One, I think in a lot of things, the son always wants approval from his father. I mean, I can relate that to myself, you know? Oh, definitely, and me too. Even the royal groomer... Oh, yeah, Marembe. Oh. ...remembers the, the tales of Prince Akeem and how he was going to change everything, but somehow he did what every other monarch did and fell back into tradition. I guess it's comfort. And that's understandable because it's human nature as well. Yeah, it's hard to change. 33 years in the making. Does it make a great sequel? Or is it just a cash grab? I'm Lavelle Johnson, all right? I don't need no handout. Continue. That is what we're here to find out today. And we get there by discussing first our pros and cons. One of my pros is, I think, because of the storyline that they pick, I think the gap actually works. Well, sure. Any, any natural progression of 33 years time is going to be plausible, at least, just simply because time keeps on slipping, slipping. Into the future. <laughs> you got any? Uh... I do have. I do have a pro. Uh, it's it's my default, but I love the recap. Any sequel that gives a good recap, and this one was actually a two to three part recap because they kept on going back into the timeline. Oh, that's good, baby. You ain't got to lie like that to get some of this ass. But you know what? I bump uglies with your homeboy. Just let me go throw up real quick, and uh, and then we can, you know. <laughs> get it cracking and when you're bringing back a recap that can't be pulled from footage as some of the recap was you have to reshoot it and so reshooting making it look like it's 33 year old footage it really takes next level precision and i think they pulled it off the only thing that i really uh had a little bit of an issue with and this brings me to my first somewhat con, is that Eddie's uh, anti-aging CG was a little on the off side. It needed a little work on the highlights. I hope you like uh, pumpkin pie, because you're going to get a whole slice. Yeah, when you do the flashbacks, and especially the bar scene, and where the whole night of passion or mistake or the wild boar that was ramming him. <laughs> <laughs> came and jumped into my lap. And then it began to ram me, and ram me, and ram me, ram me, ram me, ram Overall, I liked how that's the part uh, where the, the, the sun came in. But yeah, the CGI, just a little off, but I was in the moment just enjoying what I was seeing. My next pro, Duff, is uh, all the little hits from the first movie are back in the second one. The Royal Bathers. It had been weeks since the last time I was tended to by the Royal Bathers. But at the time, it seemed like a good plan. The old guys in the barber shop, Arsenio Hall playing the priest, sexual chocolate, even the Duke brothers. Mr. Duke? Oh my God, please. My father was Mr. Duke. Uh, and my uh, grandfather and great uncle who founded Duke and Duke. Made their way in. And I was wondering whether or not they were going to make another nod to the Duke brothers. Yeah, it was nice seeing. Yeah. 
it was really nice seeing yeah, the, the grandson of the Dukes. I think it was yeah. really cool to bring that back in. Was it needed? No. Did it give a good chuckle? Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that part could have been cut out completely, but I like the fact that Eddie Murphy made a, made a nod to the Duke brothers, which he slipped in there in the, the first coming American movie. And my next pro is is the prosthetics. The prosthetics are back and better than ever. We got to see a new character uh, played by Arsenio called Baba. His death would make me smile. Baba. And I loved Baba. Uh, Gollum looking little crazy man. But Oh, yeah, yeah. So cool. <laughs> it, it's fun to see two aging old men dressing up in costume. It's just, it's really fun. Yeah, of course, got to give credit to Rick Baker. He's done American Werewolf in London, Star Wars movies. When the first coming American movie came, and you, spoiler alert, when you get to the end credits, you find out that Eddie Murphy played that old Jewish guy. <laughs> Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So the fact that Rick Baker came back to do the makeup was definitely a huge pro in my book right there. You got any other pros there, Duff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my last pro is is kind of mixed because did they need a premature funeral eh, not really was it an excuse to just pad the cast with stars probably be the other king, be he dresses like a dapper dumb, but even in jeans he's a god set original the king of my dreams what a king what a king but it did give me a, a quite a quite a good chuckle and i really enjoyed seeing en vogue and salt and pepper and not to mention gladys knight gladys so, hearing all of the 90s hits and, well, 60s hits, if we're talking Gladys, I think it's 60s. Close enough. Yeah. It's cool enough to hear the old songs played again, but when you customize the lyrics... Even the point, there's not even a point. Say it, say it, say it. I am very familiar with these songs, so when I heard the, the slight lyrics change, it, it did catch me off guard, but the beats were... What brought me back? Yeah. And my last little piece about this uh, kind of gets wrapped into this one, the post-credit scene. I don't know if you guys stayed for the credits, but some very funny post-credit scenes, including John Legend from his home singing the Queen to Be song from the original, sung originally by Paul Bates, uh, Oha. And I just thought that was hilarious way to end the movie. Yeah. I mean, Marvel has trained me to stay to the end. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, Ferris Bueller's Day Off movie is the one that trained me to stay to the end credits. Most of the time, you don't get anything, but... Yeah. My last pro is they played it safe with the storyline, which is also my first con. Yeah, it was a little too safe. It was too close to the first one, so I agree. Yeah, the first movie was, I want to marry for love, not for country. This one was the whole, hey, I didn't know I was a prince until I was 31. Come on, for real. Is this dude my father? Father? Boy. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah, that might, he might be. I mean, be. that story's done before, but I think Eddie Murphy and the screenwriters, I think they're playing it safe. And overall, uh, for me, it works. But it's also a con because they played it so damn safe. Yeah, and something else that works for me, I guess, but is really kind of lame. Next, Doria. Presenting the supreme leader of Next Doria. Why? It's an African <laughs> nation. Call it something African. The wrestler of lions. 
Well, what about Wakanda? <laughs> Wakanda at least sounds African. Next Doria sounds like my next door neighbor's place. The most well-endowed man in Africa! True, true. but I mean, <laughs> they were also pulling from the, for the, the source material from the first movie. Yeah. When I went back to rewatch uh, Coming to America, I've seen that movie so many times, I just wasn't paying attention to Colonel Izzy. Yeah. And, and of course, it, his son is General Izzy. And then the sister. And it, it, so I'm, you have to pull from the source material. But yeah, I, I agree. Maybe they should put a little bit more thought into it when they were writing the script back in 88. Yeah. A, yeah. 88. Or 87 or, or whenever. Yeah. 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 And you let into your first con with the whole child surprise factor, and that's just really getting old. Uh, I mean, just just think about the last couple of comeback sequels we've seen in the last two years. Bill and Ted face the music. Child surprise. James and Bob's reboot. Oh my god, you're learning snooze. <laughs> Anyways, after all that child surprise. It's been done. Let's come up with a new scheme to make movies work. Well, the movie industry has been making movies for a hundred years, so I think it's pretty much been done, right? There's always a new way to skin a cat. This is true, but until that one person figures out how to skin that cat a new way... Cold laser bath. What am I, Amish? Put her in the cold laser bath. What are you, nuts? Paying good money here. <laughs> um, it just... I think, once again, they played it safe. Did they play it too safe? Probably. But I think enough people knew, because of the time gap between the two movies, they had to go safe. Yeah. So, like, like you said in the beginning... This movie's getting mixed reviews. Yeah, that it is. I guess I'll just give you my last con. Uh, when it comes to this movie, when compared to the sequel, I think this movie was a little bit unnecessarily slapstick. I thought it was just right. You do not know me. No, you don't know me. You do not know you me. You don't know me. I will cut you. Enough of this. All right, well, we beg to differ. But, hey, that's what the... That's what that's this what show, show is all about. about. Yeah. My last con, uh, and it's just, it's a minor one, just a minor one. The sheer fact that Imani, how she was still barking and hopping from the first movie for 30 years. Well, here we go. Imani, always a pleasure. <laughs> Come on. Couldn't your father or your brother released you? I mean, that was a little... I think that was stretching it quite a well, bit. Well, that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying excessively slapstick. You no, know, yeah, I agree. That was hilarious. But at the same time, it's like, really? She's been hopping, hopping and barking for the last 30 years? Yeah. I think the whole character of General Izzy is excessively slapstick. But I guess that does fit in with Snipes M.O. You know what? Let me backtrack. One other pro, and I'm surprised I forgot to write this down. Wesley Snipes, comedic timing. 
unbelievable. I forgot how funny it was like back in a white man can't jump and some other stuff before he became an action star, like with yeah. Blade and passenger 57, Eddie Murphy did such a great job casting a Wesley Snipes for a general Izzy in this role. Cause he is phenomenal. He's like one of the high points in this movie, in my opinion. Overall, I think the movie has great, great dynamics. As is the case with most Eddie Murphy flicks. The chemistry, the precision, it's just all there. And, you know, it's a family flick. So seeing Bella, his his one of his children, playing Oma is, is really great. Because you can see just how genuine the father-daughter chemistry is. And, well, it's natural. I agree. Uh, the sheer fact when I found out that he had one of his daughters, because Eddie Murphy's got 10 kids. Good Lord. Mind blower. Oh, hell no, your majesty. It strengthens the bond for my, for me in the movie, because yeah. he had the three daughters. Yeah, and, and this is a default for me, but it's so nice seeing everyone back. Everyone from Paul Bates to Vanessa Bell is back. As a matter of fact, there's very few people that did not return for the sequel, uh, one of which is the Queen, who died in 95, I think, of uh, cancer. And so she wasn't there, but everyone else seemed to be there. Yes, it's a, a good feel movie. Plus, like you said earlier, there's some flashbacks to the first movie, and I know it's a huge pro for you where you can watch the sequel without watching the the first one so yeah. it's about efficiency and 30 years of delicious fast food we want to welcome you all to mcdowell's Zamunda. i like the fact that mcdowell's is international now that was that was a nice little touch yeah and the fact that they're still dealing with the copyright infringement over <laughs> mcdonald's and the mcflurby yeah. seriously guy <laughs> quit it You've gotten away with it for 30 years. Don't bring out something else to cause litigation. He's fighting the man, Duff. He's fighting the man. It was a totally honest mistake that can happen to anyone whose best friend introduced him to a strange woman who drugged him and had sex well, with him. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I like his character. I'm glad he was back. And to see the kids again and, you know, to see the whole McDowell's family is great. Yeah. And, and I got to say... Lisa aged very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people that did not age well, Louis Anderson. Oh, oh God. I, I, I actually thought he, I thought he... I thought he died, actually. Him. Yeah, yeah, me. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only no, one. No, I yeah, thought yeah. he died of a drug OD or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, we got comedians of this weight class are really funny. Sometimes they die prematurely like John Belushi. Like Ralphie May. And uh, even Chris Farley. So... Yeah. It was nice to see Louis Anderson still with us, but he did not age well. Not in the least. It's just good old-fashioned grass. Maybe it would taste much better with a <coughs> Pepsi. Let's talk about some of the one-liners in this movie, because this is a movie filled with excellent one-liners. Like, for example... Are my princely robes not on fleek? Oh, my God, Father, to be on fleek is no more. Really? I rather enjoy being on fleek. Things like that. Eddie Murphy has just uh, a charisma about him. He has a way of saying things that are so innocently dorky and and just having it come off really funny. I like the part where Lavelle was interviewing with 
the Duke's grandson, and he just basically slammed him. So you're saying daddy never donated a building to get you into an Ivy League school? No. Yeah. Well, there was a small off-campus library. <laughs> a library. It was, just, it was a little was library off, off to the side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, off campus. And, and, and it wasn't a cocaine. <laughs> it was oxycodone. <laughs> it was oxy, and my mom took me. You know, he was just nailing him to the wall, and he was just kind of like, no, not really. It was, it was this, not that, you know. Yeah. And the chalk outline, going back to the recap. Damn shame what they did to that dog. Like, they even remembered the dog from 30-some years ago. Yeah. The way they constructed the the the, the scenes for the for the recap was fantastic. I, I know I've said it like four or five times already, but it just really, really was. I liked it when they found Lavelle uh, scalping tickets, and then Eddie's like, Hello. Want some tickets, man? No, thank you. I am King Akeem Jaffer. The whole I love New York outfit from the first movie. From, exactly. Which, which was which was a nice callback. <laughs> so yeah, like I was his, still waiting for Arsenio to have his on. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of a callback to the whole Clark Kent Superman thing. It's like he's undercover. It's <laughs> just like. Yeah. And the barbership is back. Barbership. And the barbershop is back, and pretty much all the barbershop scenes added value to the movie. And they're back with the prosthetics, the characters that we haven't seen since we were kids. It's great to see them talk about neo-Nazis, too. Nazis are back, but now they dress like their Best Buy geek squad, and they want to kill people. Anybody could be a Nazi. You ever notice that, Prince? I and if they didn't have it, it would have been a horrible mistake. The only thing that I can think that they could have cut out that would have made a difference was at the end with the priest and sexual chocolate. I'm glad they put it in there, but they had such, my opinion, such little impact on the movie. But once again, it's nice that they had all those nods, you know, from the first movie. A pretty bitch says what? <laughs> I am not uppity. Uppity bitch say what? What? Ah! <laughs> you said it. <laughs> classic. New classic line. Uh, what? <laughs> what did you say? Uppity bitch say what? What? <laughs> I think one of the most resourceful scenes was seeing Marimbe and, and, and Lavelle working together, trying to figure out how to get the whiskers from the lion. And that was interesting. I did enjoy that. And there was some suspense. There was some comedy. And everything rolled up into one. And I liked it. Yeah, the, the trap that they set was excellent. And the sheer fact that they fed him Frisky's cat food. Because yeah. he's just a giant cat, you know. And he snipped their whiskers. Uh, pretty ingenious. Even Prince Akeem was pretty stunned and amazed on how his son got the whiskers from the lion. No more surprises, my sweet. Never again shall there be another surprise. That's the last surprise. Now, ask me this question. How many times did Prince Akeem have to try to snip the whiskers off? Because, you know, he said, he, he, I did I it on it was, the first try. But Simi's like, uh, actually, sir. <laughs> I think it was something like 10 or 11. Probably. Yeah. Who can forget the royal circumcision? And even oh, his mother, Lavelle's mother, is like, just take a little top off the it's It's okay, baby. It's okay. I am so hungry. I can eat the ass out of a zipper. Seriously, Mom? Yeah. 
And the fact that he did it and then he passed out, that was hilarious. You know, it was like a big old joke in the end. Well, and that's the thing. It's really been a joke the entire time. King Akeem, at the end of it, even goes as much to say that it was a a test of courage. Yeah, yeah. But it was never really a, a circumcision. I like the fact that Lavelle was telling his father, like, risking my life <laughs> on a cat that could kill me. That's not enough. And now I got you got to take a little bit of my manhood off. Yeah. <laughs> well, the to put your most personal member <laughs> member. In danger shows character and strength and courage. Whatever pops. <laughs> but you know he did. He did prove himself. He even figured out when his when his uncle came in to help him out, like learning the history of his forefathers and stuff. He was really clicking. But before that, I guess he was trying to do it Zamunda style. But he had to come in and do it Queen style from yeah. New York. And then he was everything starting to click because he was doing it like his his own way. Speaking of doing it the Queen way, I love how he got shut down after getting back from Queens again. If you were to the moon, yeah, perhaps it was poor timing on my behalf to even suggest such a thing. This is bullshit. We could sit down and talk about this movie for a good long while, but it doesn't answer the question. Did this hold up to your expectations as a sequel? For me, it did. Maybe my bar's really low, but... Years and years of watching movies, I kind of know what to expect, and I've, I've brought my bar from from here down to here now. Uh, so for me, it, it sequels. What about you, Duff? For me, it does as well, and only because I can see it past the, the cash grab that it potentially was and see that, A, the entire gang's back, B, it still carries through the same humor, the same characters, the same passion for Zamunda. It's it's just a really feel-good movie, like you say. So how are we going to rank this one, Duff? Well, you can't buy it because it's on Amazon Studios. If you have Amazon Prime, I would tell you straight up watch it. If you don't have Amazon Prime, no rush. But you should see it at some point. Right said. So that's our verdict. Give it a good watch. Silent! I have no time to listen to your stories about your battle movements. Before we get out of here, we'd like to give you guys some trivia. So, Nate, take us away. Well, due to James Earl Jones' age, he couldn't travel, so they did all his scenes separately, and then Eddie Murphy did his part, and then they fused it together. That's an interesting little tidbit. Um, I think he's 90, right? James Earl Jones is 90? Yeah, he is 90 and uh, looking good for his age, but uh, not so sure we'll see a whole lot more from him. Between this, Mufasa and Darth Vader and a lot of other roles, James Earl Jones has cemented his name and legacy in, in movie history. This is ZNN. Yeah. Another fun tidbit is the fact that the original character for Eddie's son was going to be played by Tracy Morgan. Arsenio was like, nah, man, y'all the same age. And Eddie's like, yeah, we'll work it out. Uh, he ended up making him the uncle. And I don't know about you, Nate, but I thought that was a much better choice. No, no, no. I think Tracy Morgan nailed it as the uncle. Uh, if he was Lavelle, I... it oh, would have, Yeah, yeah. It would have been a much worse disaster. Yeah. Especially since, quite personally, I'm not a fan of Tracy 
I'm not a fan of Leslie. Seeing you brings to mind all of my father's favorite curses for you. To call you a shit stain brought him much joy. I, I don't like their style. So I'm glad that he was not the main role. Another tidbit, tri- trivia fact. Uh, Jermaine Fowler, who plays Lavelle, as a child, would record the barbershop scenes from the first one onto his answering machine. So knowing that little tidbit, he's already familiar with the lore, which makes it perfect for him to be in the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, and and speaking of Lavelle, I, I really liked his uh, Killmonger haircut that they gave him. I thought that was a pretty yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Nice little nod there. Yeah, here's a really really fun fact: everything shot in Zamunda was actually shot in Atlanta, Georgia. Get that. And cooler part is the castle. Everything shot at the castle, inside and out, was actually shot at Rick Ross's place in Atlanta. Uh, Rick Ross, famous uh, hip-hop artist and producer. The place was so huge. He has 300 freaking acres. So they were able to bring in the giraffes and bring in the zebras, or zebras if you're African. It, It was just so cool, knowing that all of the royalty, all of the huge pieces of land with all the animals and wildlife it was all rick ross's place i thought that was awesome no that's it's a mind blower right because sometimes something like that you'd have to go on set location or or find a place similar to that and can you imagine how much bullshit would be required in the age of 2020 to get people on set in africa yeah so i think Uh, they did a really good job doing everything in atlanta atlanta is very quickly becoming the new hollywood and yeah. that's really cool because uh, California has just gotten too big for its britches. Plus, they saved a buttload of money. Oh, for sure. I wonder how many favors Eddie Murphy had to call in for that one. That and hundreds and thousands of man hours and over 6,000 job roles were given through f- for, for just this movie. So, bravo. For people that aren't left righty brain like I am, uh, Mika spelled backwards as Akeem. So, the sheer fact that King Akeem's eldest daughter is Mika which is great because usually sometimes in royalty, the son gets the father's name. In this case, she does, but it's flipped, which I thought was a great little nod. Yeah, that was a great callback. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And uh, on that note, I think it's time to end the episode. You guys can check us out on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Nate does a lot of cool things over there, so uh, be sure to give us a follow. And if you like the content, go ahead and give us a comment, thumbs up, all that good nonsense. And until next time, ask yourself this very important question. Does Does it sequel? Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SequelCentric for the latest updates. And consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Want more? There's lots of exclusive content on our Centrics page at patreon.com forward slash SequelCentric. SequelCentric is hosted by Nathan Blake and Patrick Duffy. SequelCentric is produced by Patrick Duffy. 